Well, good evening again, and uh, the the I guess one of the common themes or topics lately has been joy, uh, kind of from camp, leading on through even some of the messages at camp, youth camp. Uh, just joy was mentioned a lot, and so uh, as I was studying seeking the Lord on what I was to preach, joy came up again, and it kind of comes from, from a song that David does with our kids and our youth, and it goes, and I'm not going to sing it for, for y'all's sake, uh, it goes, J, and there's motions to it, it goes, J is for Jesus, O is for others, and Y, I, I, I is for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, right? And that just kind of repeats, and he goes through, and they get faster and faster and faster, and it's really fun watching them do it, and try to keep up with them on the motions. Uh, but joy, and I'm going to use that song, J is for Jesus, O is for others, and Y is for you, and you, and you, and you, and each and every one of us, uh, to talk about how and why we should have joy. And so if you would first just pray with me and then we're going to jump in uh, to why and how we can have joy. Father, I come to you. I just thank you for this day again. I just pray that you would just use me as a mouthpiece right now, Father. I pray that any distractions uh, and things would be put aside, Father, and that we would just tune in for the next 15, 20 minutes and hear what you would have to say to us. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, J, Jesus, right? Um, that's the first and the main reason we can have joy as Christians, and that is because of Jesus. And we look at Jesus and how he brings us joy. One, because he saves us. John three sixteen. we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and then 17 goes on right after and says for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved and that should bring us joy as christians that's something to to smile about that's something to be happy about that's something to go out and tell others about because when I'm down in the dumps, when I'm having a bad day, I can think there was a time when I was headed to hell. There was a time when I was caught in my sin and my trespasses. But then Jesus, because of what he did, that was come down, lived a perfect life, took the cross, death, hell, and the grave, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And one day he's coming back for me because of that and because of me believing in that with all of my heart, I am saved and I can make heaven, and I can escape hell. I'm no longer headed to that. And that should put a smile on our faith. And so when I, I'm in doubt, when I'm having a bad day, I can go from sullen to smiling, thinking about what Jesus has done for me, and that is that he has saved me. But not only has he saved us, but he satisfies us. Uh, Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, most of you guys know that I just started a new job at Wagner Public Schools as the head strength and conditioning coach. Uh, started in May, and it's going good, loving it so far. But we was getting my weight room ready this past week. Uh, we have our, our weight room, like at the football field, whatever, uh, the field house for football only. In the summer, all athletes use it, but my classroom weight room is over at the high school, 
And we said today, last week, Coach Condit, that's football coach, AD, he says, hey, to all the football guys, you guys show up. We get this knocked out. We're going to have some sort of reward, whatever it is, afterwards. And you guys come on, help, and I'll make sure that it's worth your time. So last Wednesday, after about three and a half hours of moving about 75 of those big horse stall mats, some of you all maybe have dealt with some of those before. They're kind of a pain in the butt. And after moving about 12 squat racks and about 3,000 plus pounds of weights and plates and dumbbell racks and benches and all kinds of stuff, fun, fun stuff, a workout in and of itself, just moving it and getting it set up. We got that finished. I got my weight room set up in my high school. So this past Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, it was yesterday. So everything just kind of all together. Yesterday, uh, he comes in Monday and says, okay, the ones that were there, there's the coaching staff and then about eight or nine players that come and helped. He said, okay, your reward is Tuesday after practice, we're going to go over to my house. He's got a pool. He's like, you guys can swim, hang out. We're going to be coming from practice. It's going to be hot. We're going to be like, going to want to cool down and I'll feed us some steaks and baked potatoes. And so get there and I took a picture of it and sent to our family group text and said, I'm liking my Wagner job so far. I had just a plate full of stuff, but it was good. Like, it was satisfying. I got full. Like, it tasted good. It was good to my taste buds. I was satisfied. And as I thought about that, that's how the Lord is. We dig into His Word. We seek Him. We draw near to Him. And He's good. He shows us. I'll satisfy you. I'll fulfill you. Uh, I'll make sure that your taste buds spiritually are full and enjoying uh, what you're getting a hold of when you taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms one or Psalm sixteen eleven says, "Show me the path of you. Show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures forevermore." People look for satisfaction in so many things these days. Maybe some of them it's addiction, drugs, alcohol. They try to fill that empty spot inside them. Uh, maybe some people it's their family, always throwing things together, doing things with family. Maybe some people it's this house, this perfect uh, job, career, whatever it is. Uh, but the only place that you can get true satisfaction, you can get fulfillment of joy, uh, the pleasures forevermore is when you taste and get a hold of the satisfaction that only Jesus can give you. And so he can satisfy you. Uh, but he also, uh, he shields you. He's our shield. He's our refuge. He's our strength, right? Many times throughout Psalms and Proverbs you can read, the Lord is my shield, the Lord is my refuge, the Lord is uh, my strength, right? And it's talking about, He's our shelter uh, in our times of trouble, in our times that he's that shield, that protection, uh, that one that's watching over us, looking out for us as his children. And you just think of, I know my mind obviously may work different, but I, when I thought shield, instead of like thinking of like a pop shield, the first thing that actually popped into my mind was a windshield. I don't know, maybe it's because that's more relevant to me today than a shield, uh, but you look at either one, a shield for battle, right, that you got on your forearm. Uh, it does not, one thing that it does not do is keep the enemy from attacking. And when you put that shield on, the enemy doesn't just wave, oh, they got a shield. No, they're still going to attack, 
But what that shield does is protects you from those attacks, right? And same thing with a windshield. What's the windshield for? Or just the shelter of the vehicle, right? Uh, is to protect us or shelter us from storms, from bugs, whatever it is uh, that's coming at us when we're flying up and down the road. And it doesn't, when you step in a car that has a windshield, sit in a car that has a windshield, it doesn't stop the storms. It doesn't stop the things from hitting it. Uh, it simply protects them. Uh, it doesn't move them and completely take those things away, right? And that's how the Lord is as our shield. He doesn't, when we trust in him as our shield, he doesn't just take the storms away. He doesn't take the trials away. In fact, he says the exact opposite. He said, in this life, you will have trials. You will have tribulation. But when we trust in him as our shield, as our refuge, as our strength, we can trust in him that when we're going through those things, he's going to protect, he's going to provide, he's going to supply and shelter us through the midst of those storms, through the midst of those things that we go through. And so he's our shield, he's our refuge, he's the one that we can trust when we're going through those trials and those tribulations. And then number four, when we're looking at Jesus and how we can have joy in Jesus is he shepherds us. And Probably all know where I'm going, but Psalm 23. Familiar scripture, I would say, for probably all of us. But it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can take joy knowing that we got a God who shepherds us. It ain't like we get saved and then he says, all right, see ya. No, he's there to guide, to direct. And when we claim uh, Jesus as our shepherd, we acknowledge that he's worthy of our trust and that we can fully and totally depend on him. And that's through, and you can read that and see, that's through life, through death, that's in times of, of want, in times of plenty, that's in times of good, bad, no matter when it is, we can trust in him and depend on him as our good shepherd for guidance, for direction. Uh, he's going to take us to those pastures. He's going to take us to those things that we need. He's going to take us uh, to those waters. He's going to take us and show us uh, where we need to be. He's that guidance. He's that direction. He's our shepherd. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Uh, and he's going to be with us at all times as our shepherd. And Ricky, they were going through a Sunday school class. It was the third and fourth grade class, and they were memorizing this particular passage of Scripture. And Ricky was struggling with it. He could get the first line pretty good, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, but he was struggling as it got on deeper into that passage, and he was going and going, and it came to the day that they were to get up in front of the class and present this uh, or quote this scripture that they had been learning for the past few weeks. And Ricky, he didn't like talking in front of people, and he was still struggling with getting those uh, next five verses of the Psalm 23. And so when he got up there, nervously, Ricky just kind of looked around, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, 
and he lost train of thought, couldn't think. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, second time. Lost train of thought, and so he's trying to kind of steps back. The Lord is my shepherd. Still didn't have it, still couldn't remember, and so he said, and that's all I need to know. And so Ricky may have not known the full scripture, but he had a point when the Lord is our shepherd, and really that's all we need to know. He's going to guide us, he's going to direct us, he's going to show us where we need to be, and he's with us at all times. And it shows uh, through that passage there, he cares for us with wisdom, with strength, with kindness, with comfort. Uh, He is the great shepherd, and he's a loving shepherd. And so we can find joy that we have Jesus as our shepherd when we walk through this life. But then, fifthly and lastly, on Jesus and why uh, Jesus can give us joy as he sustains us. Now, the definition of sustain is to strengthen or support or cause to continue, prolong, or extend. Okay? To strengthen or support or cause to continue, prolong, or extend. Psalm 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. <clears throat> we can look to God. We can look to Jesus no matter what we're going through, right? We said those storms are going to come, those things, those trials, those tribulations. And when we are tired, he says, Hey, cast your cares upon me. I care for you. He says, My... my <laughs> My burden is light. My yoke is easy, right? And so he wants to care for us. He wants to sustain us and strengthen us through those tough times. And he may use each other, which we're going to talk about, right? Others. Uh, But we can lay those things at his feet. And oftentimes, and I think it was Don, maybe at our COVID year youth camp that mentioned this, oftentimes as Christians, when we're just bogged down, tired, it's nighttime, we're about to lay down. Man, that night prayer is, God, I give it all to you. I trust you. I need, I need that light burden. I need you to take some of this. I need some of that sustaining grace. And then we get a good night's sleep, well rested, wake up refreshed and renewed the next morning, and we want to take all that back. Well, God, hang on a second. I know I gave it to you last night, but this one I think I can probably handle on my own. And we just load ourselves back up with it. That's not how God wants us to work. He wants us to hand that over to him and fully trust and fully, right? Gabby's saying about it, trust and obey, right? And how sweet is it to trust in Jesus, knowing that all those things, all those worries, all those stresses, uh, we can just give to him and he's going to sustain us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to support us through those things. And then when we get tired, when we feel weak, and 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10 Paul's talking about uh, fighting a, a weakness, a particular thorn in his side, right? And he's asked, he prays three times, God, remove this, remove it. And God tells him, nope, I'm not going to remove it lest you try to boast and think that you're doing something. And he ends up telling him that my grace is sufficient. I show strength through your weakness. And so Paul comes back and says, so I boast more gladly when I'm weak because when I'm weak, He's strong. He shows up. And that's how his sustaining grace works for us. When we feel weak, when we're struggling, we're having those issues, those storms, when we just feel like we can't go any further, one step, uh, we can give it all to him, and he will show his strength through our weakness. And so he sustains us 
Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not go faint. Hi, you guys know I'm a fitness guy. And so when I look at that, I just think if there's never been a time, the best shape of my life, I've never been able to just run and run and run and never stop and never get tired. And I think when I read that verse, he says, I'll be able to run and not grow weary. I won't even be tired. And that just amazes me because I know how, I know how bodies work. Uh, and I shall walk and not grow faint. There's going to be, when I trust in the Lord and I allow him to renew me, when I allow him to sustain me, he tells me I won't have to worry about getting weak. I won't have to worry about getting tired because he's going to be there. He's going to bring me through it. And so uh, he sustains us, and we should take joy in that uh, sustaining grace that Jesus has to offer us. So that's Jesus. He saved us. He satisfies us. He shields us. He shepherds us. And he sustains us uh, through all of life's Strials, struggles and strife but then oh others and we're going to go to John chapter 15 for this one because I'm going to really use one word and when you get there John chapter 15 verse 9 you may see where I'm going uh, but others so that's the next step in our joy, right? We got to have Jesus. Got to have Jesus if we want joy. But then we need others. And we need to be there for others. And the word we're going to talk about is love. I'm going to use it as an acronym as we walk through this. But first, I want to read John chapter 15, verse 9 through 12. And then we're actually going to flip to 1 Corinthians a little bit, too. But John chapter 15, verse 9 says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just if I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, I said we're going to use love, because when it comes to others... That's what it takes, is loving one another. He says, you want your joy to be full? Love one another. Love me, love one another. And so when it comes to our joy, the L, lifting one another up. And here I use 1 Thessalonians 5.11 where it says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you have been doing. And in a world that hates and criticizes and looks for the wrongs in every person, I think we need to encourage and uplift and build one another up more than we ever have before. You can look, whether it be the coaching world, whether it be the uh, job world, it seems like everyone wants to look at the problems. But so few people, when someone does something good, extends an encouraging word or a high five. And you would be surprised, especially as a coach. One thing that I've learned uh, in just a year or two of coaching is you would be very surprised at what one good job will do for a kid. Because they may not hear it at home. They may not hear it uh, from other coaches in other sports. They may, not, they may not ever hear it. You may be the only person that ever tells them, hey, good job. And they may only do one thing good, but if you catch it and you tell them good job, the chances are they're going to try to do it again because that makes you feel good. It makes you feel wanted. And so we should encourage each other. We should lift one another up with encouragement. But we should also lift one another up in prayer. That's that, 
that bearing each other's burdens, taking on, knowing when I got a brother or sister uh, that, that needs help, that's going through something, going through a storm. I can lift them up in prayer. I can lift them up by coming and helping just bear that burden. If there's something I can step in and serve and do and love on them that way, uh, it takes lifting uh, each other up, and we must do that. It says, therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up. We're trying to love on people. We're trying to bring people in here and show them the love of Jesus because he first loved us, and so now we're to pass on that love uh, to the people we see in here, to the people we see out there. Uh, anyone we come into t- contact with, we should be lifting each other up, encouraging, and, and showing that love of Jesus. So it takes lifting each other up, lifting one another up. But then also, L, and then we go to our O, love overcomes. Love overcomes. And this is where we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or the love chapter of the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. First, I'm going to skip down on this first part for overcomes to verses 4 through 8. Verses 4 through 8 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself up. Or love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things endures all things, love never fails. When we take your spouse, right, when you first met your spouse and you begin dating and you begin uh, taking them more seriously as you got into that, like, hey, this may be the one, uh, I would dare to say, you may not want to raise your hand, but you all knew that they had some flaws or they had some mistakes, right? Uh, again, I won't make you raise your hand, but you looked past them because you loved them, right? And that's how love works, uh, especially Jesus. You think about what he looked past. God looking down and th- looking at us. Man, look at them. They're messed up. They won't listen. They got flaws. They've made mistakes. They keep their hard-headed, stiff-necked, right? They keep messing up. But he looked past all of that and still said, son, you got to go. We love them. We love them. You got to go. And through all of that love, it overcame. It overcame every single thing. And then when he comes down and he did what he did, dying on the cross for our sins, it overcame. He victoriously, through his love, overcame everything, allowing us to enter into heaven. Uh, allowing us that salvation. And so love, it overcomes. We look past those flaws. And when you, as your spouse, you have those fights, those bickers, those things that happen uh, between you, those mistakes made through marriage, uh, those different things, and love overcomes. You work your way through them, right? Because you love your spouse, because you love your husband, you love your wife, you love your kids. And so when they disobey or they do wrong, uh, you work past that, you overcome that to keep that relationship. And that is how we should be with others. We should allow our love, the Jesus love that flows out of us, to overcome that that person's different than me. Well, that person 
don't think the same way that I think. That person, well, I still am going to love them because love overcomes, right? And so love overcomes those obstacles, those things that maybe cause us to be different or maybe not think alike. And so we got to look past that. we got to overcome that when we're out there in a lost and dying world dealing with people that may not agree with us, that may not look the same as us, that may not act the same as us, and we still got to love them like Jesus loved them. And so we'll look past those flaws, those mistakes, those failures, uh, and overcome it with love and show them the love of Jesus. Then we move on to the V. V is... It's valuable. Love is valuable. When we love on others, it's valuable. I kind of already told you a little bit when we lift each other up that people think that is valuable. Like when you encourage them, give that word of encouragement, it's valuable. But look now at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a changing symbol, clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love's valuable. When we show people love, when we show people we care, uh, one of my favorite strength coaches uh, Lou Corrala, he's the one that when I was down in Atlanta, he's the one that put it on, uh, the strength coach for Georgia Tech. He says, players, and this is just people, so you can replace players with people, people are going to remember how you made them feel, not how much knowledge you have about a sport or maybe your credentials or whatever it is that you may be talking to them about uh, career. They're going to remember how you made them feel, how someone made me feel because when I met them, they did extend that encouragement. When I met them, they did ask me like how my day was and was genuinely asking me how my day was. They genuinely wanted to know about me. They genuinely was seeking to have a relationship with me, and that's how we should be. Uh, that love that flows out of us should be valuable to others because we show them that we care. We show them that we have something that they need, and that is Jesus. And so love, it's valuable. Without it, when we go about our daily things, he tells, he tells it's, if I have no love, I have nothing. It profits me nothing if I'm not loving on people. And so we must love on people. We must show others that we care, and they see that as valuable. And I think we would all agree that we see when we see someone cares about us, we feel valued, and we see that as valuable uh, that they care. And so V, it's valuable. But E, and I broke this one into two. One, it takes effort. You go through there and read chapter 13. Look like it takes some effort to you. Some of that don't look to, so easy. But then you don't you read that and yeah, that don't look easy and it's not. It takes some effort, but you also think about Jesus and what he did was because he loved us. That took some effort coming down here, living that life. He even in the garden he said, "God, if there's Father, if there's any way, pass this cup, take it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done." It took effort. Your flesh is going to cry out to, hey, be selfish. It's going to, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. It does not parade itself up. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. That may be the hardest. We're so selfish as people. We look out for ourselves first, oftentimes. Uh, and it takes effort to move past all those things and to love others first, to be that servant first. Uh, but as Jesus' followers, as Christians, 
That's what we're called to do. We're called to be that servant, to look uh, and to, to make an effort to put others before us instead of us before others. And so it takes effort, but it also is for everyone. It doesn't say that certain people are to love on certain people, right? And so many of us, I think, at times, because we are selfish, we want to feel loved on. Man, we want, hey, I just need someone to love on me. I need someone to lift me up, encourage me, give me a high five, tell me I'm doing a good job. We want that, but then we won't do it for other people. And so it's for everyone, and it goes both ways. Yes, we need to be loved on. I think everyone needs to be loved on. I think everyone needs to be encouraged. I think everyone needs to be valued. Everyone needs to be lifted up. But we also, everyone needs to be doing those things. As Christians, we should all be loving on others. We should all be lifting each other up. We should all be overcoming the differences between me and you and them. Uh, We should all be making sure that everyone feels valued and having value because we have love. And we should all be putting an effort into loving each and every person that we come into contact with every single day. Because Jesus did it for all. He didn't do it for a chosen group. He did it for all. And so we got to go out there and let people know that he did it for all. And so it takes effort, and it's for everyone. Each and every one of us in this, in this building should go out showing love to one another, and that's how you're going to find joy, just like John 15 said. You want, you want joy? You want your joy to be full? Love God and love one another. And so that's the O, others, but then the Y, and I'm going to go ahead and ask Gabby and the band to come up and... Uh, get ready for the song of invitation. The why? You, 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 you. And this one's simple. Some of us, or some of you, draw that circle around yourself. Just wake up every day and choose to be grouchy. Choose to be grumpy. Some of you just wake up every day and choose to have no joy. And James tells us, In James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it, that means you get to make a choice, consider it pure joy when you fall into various trials. And so you get to choose every single day, whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, whether it's just an average day, uh, you get to choose whether or not you're going to have joy. And simply because of those first two, Simply because of Jesus, you should choose joy, Uh, but because others are depending on you and you're depending on others, I think you are to have some joy too, but uh, you must choose joy, and so we wake up with a choice each and every day uh, to decide whether or not we're going to have joy, and we we have that choice when those things start to go bad, Uh, we have that choice no matter what we're going to do, and so As everyone stands, heads bowed, eyes closed, joy. J is for Jesus, O is for others, and Y-I-I-I-I is for you. And so maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you got hung up on the very first point of Jesus and that he brings salvation. And if you want joy, you need salvation in your life. And if you haven't been saved, we would love to show you how. And... As I open up these altars for an invitation, if you need to, need to be saved, come. But then as, as Christians, and I know that's our big group here on Wednesday nights, maybe it is that uh, you've lost your joy. Maybe you're going through something tough. Maybe you're struggling. Stresses of the world got you. Maybe you just need to come to Jesus here at the altars this evening. Maybe it is you 
need to grab a brother or sister and let them lift you up in prayer. Let them help bear that a little bit. Uh, maybe you just need to come and, Jesus, I'm going to decide today. I'm going to choose today that I'm going to have joy. And so altars are open, invitations starting. We won't tarry long. Father, I just come to you. Again, just ask that you would have your way in this invitation. Pray that these people would respond in a way that's pleasing to you. I love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.